if you would turn your uh, in your Bibles to Psalms 107. Psalms 107. We're gonna start in verse one. Good morning, family. Good morning, believers. Good morning, saints. It is indeed a good morning. Amen. If you don't know, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Pastor Zachariah Bolch. I'm the associate pastor here at Victory Life Church, and I also serve as the program director for Victory Life Ministries. So I have the privilege and honor to share the Word of God here this morning to you. As our pastor, you know, still isn't feeling 100%. He couldn't make it here this morning. So I continue to lift him up in prayer. But uh, as I was studying last night, you know, I came across a phrase in the Bible. We say it all the time, but I, I come across it in the Bible. And it, in fact, it originates from the Bible. And uh, it kind of spoke to me. And in Psalms 107, if you would, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to have you stand for a second. We're going through like 30 verses. Amen. Stretch out a little bit, you know. Psalms 107 and verse 1. And the Word of God reads like this. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Who do we give thanks to? The Lord. For He is good. I need to remind you yet again that the Lord is good. For His loving kindness is everlasting. You can't run out of His loving kindness. It don't matter who you used to be, what you used to do, or what you've done. The Lord doesn't run out of loving kindness. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom He has redeemed from the hand of the adversary feel like we uh, belong in that group. Amen. And gathered from the lands, from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and from the south. And here's this first group of people. This is the first group right here. This psalm goes over four groups of people, and this is the first group. This first group, it says, they wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry, thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. They was looking for an inhabited city, and they couldn't find it on their own. But then they cried out to the Lord, and by a straight way, he led them to an inhabited city. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his love and kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. He filled you with what is good. And now we got the second group of people. It says, there were those who dwelt in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. They heard it, but they weren't trying to live it. They heard it, but they weren't trying to trust in it. They heard it, but they weren't about to obey it. Therefore, he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. But guess what? The same God that saved the first group of people is the same God that saves this second group of people. It says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. 
He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and he broke their bands apart. Hallelujah. Let them also give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron asunder. Fools, because of their rebellious way. Here's the third group of people. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Living in sin. Weren't trying to change. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. The same God, the same salvation, the same loving kindness, the same mercy, the same grace reaches out to all these different people. He sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destructions. Let them also give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. And right here, this is the group of people I want to speak about this morning. This is the fourth group of people that Psalms 107 begins to, to explain to us detail. And this fourth group right here, it says, Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters. They have seen the works of the Lord. They've seen God move. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the deliverance. They've seen the, they've seen the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. And they're doing business. They're out on a mission. They're out on a job. But then the Bible says, for He, and who's He? For God spoke and raised up a stormy wind. So these sailors who were on this ship on a mission, on business, they know God, they've seen the works of the God, but they're on this ship, they believe they're in control, and it says at this moment, out of nowhere, unexpected, he spoke and raised up the stormy wind which lifted the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens, and then they went down to the depths, up and down, up and down, up and down. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man, and they were at their wits end somebody say wits end they were at their wits end but the same faithful God it says they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distresses he caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed then they were glad because they were quiet and so he ooh, this is where we want to be right here so he guided them to their desired haven. So what he, the Lord's trying to say, they, they took them where they wanted to go all along. He finally got them to where they wanted to be all along. Amen? But they first had to come to their wit's end. So Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word this morning. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks to us, God, individually, corporately, God. Help us to understand what's going on in our lives, God, in our church, God, in our ministry, God. Lord, you are faithful, and we know that we cannot exhaust your loving kindness, God. We can't use up your grace, God. We can't uh, uh, just do things, God, that will make you not show mercy, God. We know that your loving kindness is everlasting, oh God. We know that you are merciful to each and every generation, God. We know that you are faithful even when we're not faithful, God. So we praise you for this, God. We praise you for your holy character. We praise you, God. We invite your Holy Spirit into this place this morning, God. We're honored, God, to be in this place focused on you, Jesus. Forgive us for any sins, God. Remove any distractions. 
And right now, I denounce any unclean spirit that's trying to distract the men and women in this place to receive the word of God. In Jesus' name, I pray. And if you believe it, go ahead and give them a shout of praise in this place. Come on, shout hallelujah. Shout glory. Amen. Now look to your neighbor, give him a high five. Now look to your other neighbor and give him a high five. And tell them, buddy, you're headed to wit's end. Amen. You're headed to wit's end. Amen. Wit's end, here we come. So this fourth group of people in Psalms 107. Wit's end? Yeah, it's a place. They got there. Verse 27, it says, They reeled and staggered like a drunken man. And they were at their wit's end. Their wit's end. And I believe right now we're in a season where the enemy would love to hear us confess that all is hopeless and we are helpless and he would love for us to accept defeat. (coughs) Individually, corporately, that's where we're at. The enemy is wanting us to throw in the white flag. He's wanting us to get to this place called wit's end and say there's no hope. There's no saving. There's no deliverance. Where do we go from here? We might as well give up. We might as well go back to doing what we were doing. But the devil is a lie. Amen. And I promise you the story doesn't end with these men staying at wit's end. Let me tell you something. Wit's end is the end of wits. It's not the end of your life, brother. It's not life's end. Amen. It's not marriage's end. It's not uh, joy's end. It's not your life's end. It's wit's end. It's when all the wits you have have been used up. And this wits right here in the scripture, when you look at the apostrophe, the apostrophe isn't between the T and the S. I'm going to give you a little uh, grammar lesson here. Take you to English class. Amen. It says wits end. The apostrophe is after the S. So you know what this tells me? This right here is not the end of one wit. This is not the end of two or three wits. But this right here, where these men had gotten to in their life, was the end of all their wits. All their plans, all their wisdom, all their strength, all their religion, all their control. It was the end of it. These men couldn't do nothing about the storm. They were going up and down, up and down, even though they may have trained for years how to sail on that boat. Even though they may have tens and decades of experience what to do when the winds come, what to do when a storm, guess what? At this moment in their life, they had no control whatsoever to weather through the storm. And you know what I love about this? In verse 25, the Bible says God is the one who initiated the storm. God's the one who brought the storm. For he spoke and he raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Amen? But in this psalm, we have testimonies of four groups of people, right? The first group of people is a group of people who are thirsty and wandering. They're going from place to place, from people to people, and thing to thing, to try and fill that hole inside of their life. To try and fill that void inside of their life. And they're traveling, going from thing to thing and place to place. And they can't find it. But then one day it says they cried out to the Lord. And the Lord saved them out of all their distresses. And so we have the second group of people. This second group of people, they're experiencing consequences because of their own rebellion to God. You see, some storms come because God's trying to do something in you. Some storms come in your life because you're doing something you ain't supposed to be doing. 
Amen. And the second group of people, there's a storm coming into their life. They're facing consequences and repercussions because of the rebellion to God. This third group of people, this is the people who are knee deep in sin. They're discouraged and they're hopeless. You ever been there? Seven years ago, that's exactly where I was at. Knee deep in sin, iniquity. I thought it was all over. There was no, there's nothing else I could do. I was going to die an addict. I was going to be a drug addict. That's how, that was the end of my story. But then, just like in this psalm, I cried out to the Lord, and he saved me out of all my distresses. Amen? The fourth group of people is a people who are up and down, up and down, up and down. And this is the group we're talking about. But this people, they're not necessarily in rebellion to God, nor are they necessarily knee-deep in sin and discouraged, right? But this group of people believed they were in control of their own life, right? They believed that they were in control. They trusted in their self. They trusted in their own strength. They trusted in their own wisdom. They trusted in their own plans and their own schemes and their own manipulation. Let's be real this morning. They trusted in, in their own strategy, right? And so God's got a trick for these type of people. He'll raise up a storm, and there's nothing that your strength, your wisdom, your manipulation can do to get you out of that storm because God is trying to take you somewhere so he can do something in you. Are you hearing me? Have you ever heard of the phrase wit's end? We've all heard of it, right? Oh, took me to wit's end. Now we're at wit's end. I just, I'm at wit's end. You know, we deal with a, a rebellious child, a difficult child, and we say, oh, son, you're taking me to wit's end. I heard that several times growing up, right? You're getting me there. I'm at my wit's end. Or maybe we, we get diagnosed with something at the hospital and, and we don't know how to take it because we already got all this other trouble going on in our life and it brings us to our wit's end. Right? Or maybe there's a situation in the church and it's situation after situation after situation and the last three situations were already too much for me and now I'm here at the fourth and fifth one afterwards and I, I'm at my wit's end. I can't go on anymore. I can't go on in my own strength. I don't have the answers within myself. How many of you know this is exactly where God wants to take you? This is where God wants you to be. Because when you come to the end of yourself... That's where God takes over. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul said, listen, in my weakness, he is strong. Some of us have not been able to tap into the Lord's strength because we first haven't admitted our own weakness. Amen. And in this psalm, we find this unusual place. It's called Wit's End. And these sailors, you know, they find this place on a storm-tossed deck on the ship. Giant waves are carrying the ship up to the heavens and then dropping it down to the depths. A powerful wind tosses it to and fro, and these sailors can never get their legging to man the ship. Just when it gets manageable, another wave hits. Boom. Does that sound familiar? Just when you start to get a grip on things, another wave hits. Just when you start to get your stance back, another wave hits. Just when you get everything under control one more time, another wave hits. And this is where these sailors are, right? It looks like it's all over for them. They're in total despair. They feel helpless. They feel vulnerable to the, to the power of the elements. They're unable to stop the storm, and they're powerless to save themselves. And this, my friends, is a place called wit's end. And everyone in their life comes to this place once or twice or a few times, right, to where you're in a situation and you feel like there's no way out. You feel like there's nothing that can change your situation. There's, there's no helping you. There's no saving you. It's wit's end. There's nothing you can do to remedy your situation. There's nothing you can do. 
to remedy your situation. You see, wit's end is the end of all human ability, wisdom, and resources. There is no humanly escape, no human help, and no deliverance other than God himself. It's real hard to kick against the go-ads. Amen? At your wit's end means to have exhausted and attempted every possible mean to solve a problem. Like I said, it's not the end of one wit, it's the end of all wits. Amen? And I don't know about you, I was the type of person, if I could figure something out, I was going to try every single way to try to get it under control. I was going to try every single way to solve a problem. And in the end, I ended up just burning a bunch of people. I never got nowhere, I just ended up burning a bunch of people, burning a bunch of bridges. Can I get a witness in the house of the Lord? Amen? That ain't you, huh? Y'all, yeah. You got it right the first time, huh, Bubba? Mm. Yeah, I got the right crowd. Every, we tried everything. We tried lying. We tried scheming. We tried manipulating. We tried going to a person. We tried using money. We tried job. We tried this. We tried that. And we always had the same result. We always got to wit's end. Right? We always got to wit's end. But like I said before, you have to understand where you're at right now is not the end of your life. Wit's end is not life's end. It's not the end of your life. So many people, they get in a storm, they get in a trial, and then, oh, it's all over. God's forsaken me. There's no future. There's no hope. Well, that's not true because the Word of God says He has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Oh, I don't want to hear that word. Well, that's the word of God. That's what's going to get you out of your storm, out of your trial. There's faith, and when you believe, mix faith with the word of God, it begins to manifest in your life. And no matter your situation, you can still have a good attitude, and your good attitude will help you weather through your situation. Are you hearing me? Don't all things work out for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose? Do you believe that? No, no, no. Do you really believe that? I'm not talking about putting on your Facebook, I trust in the Lord. Right? I'm not talking about your Facebook status. I'm not talking about your t-shirts you put on. Right? I'm not talking about you just showing up to church once a month. Right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, do you really believe in the Word of God? Do you really believe in it? If you really believe in the Word of God, then that means anything and everything you experience in life is for your good. It's for your good. So if the Lord brings you to your wit's end, it's because he's trying to produce something in you. And this in turn tells you that the Lord ain't done with you yet. Hallelujah. That the Lord ain't done with you yet. Being confident of this very thing that he that began a good work in you will perform it until the day Jesus cracks the sky. Come on, somebody. Somebody get excited in this place. Go to 1 Peter 4.12. I love this scripture. God is the one who initiated the storm for these people. And this, this should bring reassurance to your soul because if God caused the storm, that means you're going to see God's hand move mightily to weather you through the storm and bring you out. God's the one who caused the storm. God's the one who brought in the winds. He's the one who brought in the trouble. He's the one who brought in the trials. He's the one who brought in the false accusations. He's the one who brought in the persecution. He's the one who brought in the problems. He did. Because he's trying to produce something in you. I was telling him last Sunday, you know, God isn't concerned with who you want people to think you are. God is concerned with your character. And there's only one way that God can begin to, to, to change your character, and that's take you through things. Amen? 
The Bible says just like gold and silver is refined through the furnace and the fire, so is our, our heart tested by the Lord. So is our character defined and refined and sculpted. You see, if, if growth, spiritual growth, if it come from complacency, if it come from security, if it come from comfort, we'd all be growing. We'd all be powerful in the Lord. But you see, that's not the so. You see, growth, maturity, right, development, character development, these things come through hardship. These things come through suffering. These things come through trials. So, so many of us want out of the trial. God, take me out of the trial. God, deliver me from the problem. Take me away from the heat. Take me away from the hurt. And God says, child, I have you right there. And so sometimes our prayers don't need to be, God, take me out. We need to be, God, I love you and I thank you for keeping me here. I thank you for for keeping my soul. I thank you for preserving my life. I thank you for what you've done for me, and I thank you for what you're going to do for me, God. I was praying the other day, and, you know, I I pray about silly stuff. Like, I'll be in the gym, but I'll be like, God, you know, don't let the weight fall to me. Let somebody lift the weight. Don't let it fall on me, Father, please, in Jesus' name. You know, I'll just be talking to God through the day about stuff like that, right? And I remember I was, I was shampooing my carpets yesterday, and I remember I was carrying the big bucket of water to, to pour in the uh, carpet shampooer, and I remember saying, God, Lord, please don't let me drop this bucket. And then I heard the Holy Spirit rebuke me. He says, all you've been doing is asking me for stuff. When are you just going to speak to me and spend time with me? Uh-huh. Too many of us, we fall into that, 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 uh, that life to where we just use God as an accessory. We, God, God is just who we ask to make sure things go right. God, make sure it goes right. And then when somebody says, you need to pray, I am praying. Uh-huh. Well, if all you're ever doing is asking God for things, that's not prayer. Amen? Amen? That's like going to a vending machine and putting quarters in. Just putting the quarters in for an answered prayer, right? Prayer is a dialogue. Let me take you back to English. Prayer is a dialogue, okay? That means you spend time with God speaking, and he spends time with you speaking. Amen? I heard the Holy Spirit say that. Why you stop asking me for stuff and just speak to me. Just talk to me. Just spend time with me. And, 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 and in that solitude of you just spending time with God, that's when you're going to get the, the anointing. That's when you're going to get the word. That's when you're going to get the comfort. That's when you're going to get the security. It's just that worship. It's love responding to love. It's that spending time with the Lord. Amen? I don't even know where I'm at. We're in church. Thank you. Thank you. He said, hey, we're in church, bro. Oh. The Holy Spirit took me up to heaven, brother. I was in the third heaven. Yeah. Okay. All these people getting all these prophecies and visions. Uh-huh. Once you try to just live in the word, you already know. 1 Peter 4.12, and the Word of God reads, Oh, yeah, 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 getting taken out of the situation. God doesn't necessarily want to take you out of your situation. He wants you to stay there because He wants to do something in you. Amen? So many of us want out. And God's like, no, son, stay in. Stay in. And we're like, man, if I can, if I can manipulate my way out of this, if I can like, try and control my way out of this, if I can use my resources and my time and my talents to try and get my way out of this, and God's like, quit, quit, quit running from it and stay in there. 
Because I'm doing something in the fire. I'm doing something in the problem. I'm doing something in the trial. I'm doing something in the hardship. I'm doing something in the hurt. I'm doing something in the heartache. I'm, I'm doing something, daughter. I'm doing something, son. I'm doing something within you that, that's going to result in eternal glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, the trial, the hurt, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. Don't, don't think it's strange when you go through something. Don't think it a strange thing. Well, I've been coming to church and I've been fasting and I've been memorizing scripture. Why am I experiencing this now? Don't think it a strange thing. Don't think it a strange thing for you to be going through something. Amen. It's like these sailors on the boat. They, were, they, they knew the works of the Lord. They knew God. They were, everything was good. They were on a mission. They were serving you know, on their nine to five, and out of nowhere, boom. Out of nowhere, a storm just hit. Winds taking a sip up, taking a sip down. They were out of control, right? But just like in this psalm, these men had to come to wit's end so they would cry out to God again. Some of us, God's taking us there just so we will cry out to God again. Just so we will get to that desperation back in our life. We'll get that, that hunger, that thirst back in our life. That's why he wants to navigate us to wit's end. Amen? And right here, Peter tells us in the scripture, he pretty much tells us, hey, Christian, stop tripping. Hey, Christian, don't be tripping. Because you're tripping about every time you get in a trial, and God's the one who puts you in that trial. Stop tripping. God's got this. Say it with me. God's got this. And guess what? God is not surprised that you're in a trial. God is not confused. He didn't accidentally put you there. Amen? And in fact, your trial, the heat, the fire, the pain, the heartache, right? The storm, it's actually structured. And it obeys the voice of the Lord. And it's structured. There's order to it. Amen? But when, when did the storm stop for these sailors in Psalms 107? When did the storm stop? Because that's, that's the, the, the cure-all right here. We want to know how to get it to stop, right? How does it stop? We want out. We want it to stop. Well, firstly, these sailors not only came to the realization that there's nothing they could do about it, they gave up all control. And they said, God, you're the only one that can do something in this situation. They gave up all control, right? They emptied themselves. They got rid of all their, their control issues. They got rid of all their manipulation. They got rid of all their scheming. And they said, God, there's nothing I can do to get out of this storm. Not only recognized it, but they began to do something about it. And so when they have an opportunity to try and scheme their way out, they didn't take it because they knew that there's nothing they could do about it. You know, Nick shared uh, at the conference about vessels, and he talked about when Elijah came to the, the house of the widow, right? And she said, oh, we have no nothing, no nothing. And he's like, I don't want to hear all that. Go get some vessels. Every time somebody goes through something, all they want to complain about what they don't have and what they can't do. Why don't you start talking about what God can do? Amen? What God will do. Amen? 
You know, I don't, I, don't believe, I don't believe that somebody raised from the dead is the best testimony we can have in this life. I think it's somebody with no matter what they go through, they're still believing God's going to bring salvation. They're still bringing God's going to bring deliverance. Somebody that no matter what they go through, no matter what they experience, they're speaking the word of God and they're not saying why God, they're saying when God, when you're going to move, when you're going to bring a healing, when you're going to bring deliverance, when you're going to bring provision, when you're going to do it God. I know you're going to do it, but I'm just waiting when, tell me when so I can get my suit all nice and fancy. Amen. Let me prepare God. Amen. But he was talking about the vessels and the lady was like, oh, we don't have nothing. And and, then Elijah said, listen, I want you to go out to all your neighbors and all the houses. I want you to go out and I want you to get as many vessels as you can find. And that was powerful what he was sharing. And so the miracle, right? The miracle wasn't limited by what God can do. Because how many know God can do everything? There's nothing God can't do, right? But the miracle was limited to how much the lady put in. Are you hearing me? He said, go get as many vessels as you can get. And she went around to neighbor and neighbor and neighbor and neighbor and neighbor and neighbor and get as many vessels, many vessels, many vessels, many vessels. And they started pouring the oil. And the oil poured and filled every vessel she brought. If she would have brought more vessels, there would have been more oil. If she would have brought less vessels, there would have been less oil. So it's not exactly limited to what God can do. It's limited to what you put in. Are you hearing me? Amen. But what you have to understand is I was sharing last Sunday that these vessels, for the oil to reside in these vessels, number one, they had to be clean. And that was, that was the, the, the point that I stressed last Sunday evening in Maybank, that it had to be clean. There's nothing wrong with the oil. It's, it's when the vessels are clean, uh, dirty, right? It's when the vessels are dirty is when the oil you know, gets all jacked up. There's nothing wrong with the anointing. There's nothing wrong with the oil. It's the vessel that's carrying the anointing. Sometimes we fall into sin and iniquity and, you know, live a certain way and do this and do that. There's something wrong with the vessel. There's nothing wrong with the oil, right? But, but the, the point I want to stress this morning is not about it being clean. It's about it being empty. Amen? Because you can have a clean vessel and it be half full of something else and only have the capacity to hold half full of oil. Amen? You see, some of us in this room, we're full of our own opinions. And so the word of God can't fill us up. We're full of our own manipulations and our own plans and our own strategies. So God can't fully fill us up. And these sailors on the ship, they had to come to a point where they said, you know what? I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to give up all control. I'm going to give up all my own plans. I'm going to give up all my own wisdom. And I'm going to let God take control of this storm. I'm going to let God take control of my life. Amen. The vessels not only had to be clean in that story with Elijah and the widow, they also had to be empty. Amen. And saints, what I'm trying to say is we have to stop believing the lie of self-sufficiency. We have to stop believing the lie of self-sufficiency. Look, I got it on the screen. Come on, somebody. You have to stop believing the lie of self-sufficiency. Let me tell you something, brother. You need God. Sister, you need God. You need Him. You may be deceived in thinking you don't need Him. Right? You may be deceived in thinking you don't need God. You need God. 
Amen? And just because you come to church don't mean you ain't relying on yourself. Amen? Just because you read your word don't mean you ain't relying on yourself. Amen? When you begin to make decisions for your life, do you pray first? When you begin to do things in life, do you pray first? Do you invite God into that? Do you seek counsel? Right? Because not only do you need God, guess what? You need other people. Amen? There ain't no lone wolves. We're a pack. Though the body be one body, there's many members. I may be a foot, and I need a right hand. Amen? You may be a right hand. You need a left elbow. Amen? We're in this together. We need each other. We need God, and we need other people. And this is how God set it up, so stop believing the lie of self-sufficiency. You see, America, we struggle with two invisible monsters, two invisible beasts. The first one is selfishness, and the second one is self-sufficiency. And the reason I say invisible is because you can't really see it. You can't really pinpoint it. What I mean by that is maybe God wants you to go through a season without a job, and you say, man, I rely on myself. I trust in my own finances. I trust in what I do to make a living. But God wanted to take you there for a season. And so you, you didn't see that you rely on self. You can't see that you trust in yourself. You trust in your own strength. You trust in what you can do. Amen? And in selfishness. We all got a flesh. We all got self. Amen? Selfishness. Sometimes you don't even realize that you're beginning to make decisions just to benefit you. You do it subconsciously, right, innately. You do it without even noticing it, right? We all got flesh. I remember when I used to, I used to be in the home and, and Brandon would make the fundraising list and, and what he would do is he would get to decide who goes on what team and where they're going and all this and that, and he would be one of the teams going out. And I would look at the list and I would say, Hey, your team looks, looks mightily stacked, brother. You got like five soldiers. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm dealing with the guys that t- told me they want to leave earlier, you know? But without even really recognizing it, you're going to do things to benefit self. You're going to make decisions to benefit you. Because we all have a flesh. We all have a self. Guess what? This is the beauty of accountability. This is when God and God's people come into the picture. And the reason you don't want accountability is because you want to only please self. You only want to do what you want to do, and you don't want nobody trying to correct you or tell you nothing. Are you hearing me? Huh? Hallelujah. Amen? Selfishness, self-sufficiency. But all these groups, you know, they cried out to the Lord in the midst of their trouble, turning alone to Him for help. And, And listen... Some of you, the battle, the storm you're in, it's not going to stop until you stop trying to figure everything out. Amen? And I, I can tell you this. Anytime a man gets to where they're at their wit's end, something's about to change. Something has to change. Either two things are going to happen. When, some, when a man gets to his wit's end, number one, either they're going to rebel against God, or number two, they're going to repent. Something's got to change. Amen? Something's going to change when a man gets to his wit's end. And saints, 
until God has accomplished his eternal purpose in you, your storm will not stop. Are you hearing me? You may be able to scheme and to manipulate your way out of a trial, but guess what? You'll find yourself right back in that trial. Because until God does what he wants to do in you through the trial, the storm won't stop. Amen? Yeah, you could be the reason the storm keeps raging. You could be the reason you're missing the calm of the storm. Why? You keep questioning the Lord right in the middle of your storm. You keep complaining to the Lord and murmuring to the Lord right in the middle of your storm. You keep running to your secret sin to try and help you through your storm. It's almost like you can hear the Lord whispering, Child, you're prolonging your storm. Amen? Yeah, trouble's going to continue until you stop asking God why. He's going to bring you to your wit's end to fully trust Him. Go to Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to show you a people that God brought to their wit's end. This is God's people here. God brought Israel to the wit's end several times. Right? They were in slavery for 400 years to Pharaoh in Egypt. And we know this is a physical depiction of our spiritual reality. These people were in slavery to Pharaoh for 400 years in Egypt. In the same way, we were slaves to sin and the devil in the world. Right? And we all know the story. The man Moses gets raised up. He goes through his training, his process, his development gets raised up. He goes to Pharaoh. He throws a stick down, turns into a snake, right? And Pharaoh lets the people go. I just summarized it, paraphrased it. But we know the story. Moses is led to deliver the people of God. And in Exodus chapter 14, verse 1, the word of God reads, Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pahiroth. Between Migdal and the sea, you shall camp in front of Baal Ziphon, opposite by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly. This is the devil right here. They are wandering aimlessly in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. Where are you going? You're not going forward. You're not progressing. You're not doing nothing. What are you doing with your life? You're losing. Why aren't you doing something about it? God brought you there to dry you up and kill you. I said the enemy comes and taunts you, isn't it? Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So we see God actually delivered these people, God's people from captivity. And after he brought deliverance to their situation, after he fixed the situation initially, do you know where he brought them? He brought them to the Red Sea with mountains on both sides. And he forced the enemy to chase them. So here's these people. They're right here. There's, there's a red sea. Miles and miles of sea. There's a red sea. There's mountains on each side. And now the enemy's coming this way. These people are boxed in. God brought these people to wit's end. He brought these people to where there's nothing they can do to get out of their situation. He brought these people to where there's nowhere they could run. There's nothing they can do. This is where God brought his people. God fixed the situation and then brought these people from that situation that he fixed over to a place where it looked like there was no hope. There was no help. There was no deliverance. Have you ever been in that place before? A place you resented being? A place where you were afraid? 
a place where everything you looked around and saw spooked you, scared you. You feel alone. You feel abandoned. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, sisters and brothers, it's just a feeling. Hallelujah. It's just a feeling. God did not bring you here to die. God did not bring you here to dry you up. If God brought you to the sea, he's going to split the sea. If God brought you to the mountain, he's going to move the mountain. If God brought you to wit's end, he is going to rescue you once he accomplishes his purpose in you. Amen? And God's people were here. All God's people had to do was believe one promise that God gave them. And that was that God told them he would go with them and he will always guide them. And so these people, they've been in slavery for 400 years. I can relate this to myself. I was in drug addiction for years. I didn't think there was no way out. There was nothing nobody could do to get me to stop abusing drugs. I didn't find no way out. I tried therapists. I was in and out of jail. I tried girlfriends. I tried using medications. I tried school, college, jobs, money, careers, everything you can think of. There was no way out for me. And then one day, day. God came into my life. He delivered me from my bondage. He delivered me from my captivity. He took me out of that situation where there was no hope. Right? Right? Then he took me to the victory home. And I felt like I was at wit's end. Uh huh. Whatever God's calling you to do, he's going to get you there. If he has to move a mountain, he's going to get you there. If he's got to split a sea, he's going to get you there. Amen? He's going to get you there. All these people had to do was believe one, one word. One promise. Well, we were, in, we were slaves for 400 years and there was no way out. And God sent a man to turn a stick in, uh, into a snake and now we're here. Now we're delivered. Now we're free. But God brought us to this sea and these mountains. Oh, he gave up on us. We're going to die. Right? That's where these people were at. Oh, there's no hope for us. We're dead. We're done. All they had to do was say, no, no. God told us he's going to guide us. God told us he's going to be with us. Right? You may be at this point right now in your life and you're asking God, how did I get here? How did I get here? God, you, you did miracles. You delivered me. You saved me. You fixed, you fixed it. And now I'm back here again. How did I get here, God? Well, guess what, saints? God put you there. Come on, I'm trying to bring hope to somebody. God put you there. Amen? The Lord don't make mistakes. The Lord doesn't have to improvise. Oh, I didn't know he was going to go left. Now I got to do something different. He don't have to improvise. It's not impromptu where he just comes up with it on the spot. Right? The Lord's never caught by surprise. Right? Exodus 14, 21. These people, these people to the natural, this looked like the worst place for them to be. This, this looked like death. This looked like, this looked like quick grave. Get to the grave quickly. This, look, this, look, this did not in the natural. This was the opposite of where they wanted to be, right? But guess what? They were smack dab middle right in the will of God. Let me tell you something. No matter how bad it looks on the natural, right in the middle of the will of God is the safest place you can be. 
right in the middle of the will of God is the safest place you can be. And even though it may look crazy in the natural... Who cares about that? I serve a God who's supernatural. I serve a God who don't just work in the natural. I serve a God who's a miracle maker, who's a planet shaker, who's a game changer. That's the type of God I serve. And so if God took me to the sea with the mountains on both sides, I knew he's about to do something. And in verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind. That's what you do this right here. You may be right in the middle of a hopeless situation. You may be right in the middle of the biggest trial of your life. You may be right in the middle of the the worst heartache you ever had. You need to test the wind because it's coming. Amen. Just put your finger to the wind because you can understand it's coming. There was an east wind and, 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 and it came all night and it turned the sea into dry land so that the waters were divided. Amen. This is an impromptu. Listen, God knows where you're at. He knows where he's taking you. He knows how difficult it is. He knows how hard it is. These people right here, he knew, he knew they were going to come to the edge of the sea with no escape, with the enemy chasing them. He told the enemy to chase them. God's the one who sent the enemy after them. So guess what? Before they got in this situation... God had already planned for a strong eastern wind to come in and split the sea. Amen? God had already planned for Victory Life Home to open up when I needed help off drugs. God already did. He was already working through Pastor Raymond and, and Mama Heather, and he was already getting some kinks you know, uh, uh, worked out, and God, God brought me here. He already had that east wind coming. He already had that east wind coming. Whatever trial you're in, guess what? There's an east wind, and it's coming. Amen. It's not a matter of why. It's a matter of when. Hallelujah. It's a matter of when. A strong east wind. And that east wind, that gale, it was getting produced while, while God's people was going through something. You see, too many people try to skip the process and take shortcuts. And they try to get to this place where there's no hope. And the east wind ain't ready yet. Uh-huh. The east wind ain't stirring just yet. And so now you're in this place a little too quickly. Huh? I'm going to stay out of there. God delivered the people with a miracle. He had already planned and ordained this would happen in Migdal before God's people got there. Can I tell you something? Before you were born into a sinful nature, God had already predestined His Son Jesus to go to the cross. Before you got lost in your sin and your iniquity, he had already planned for Jesus, the unblemished, unspotted Lamb of God, to come to this earth and live as a man and humble himself and empty himself and give up all his godlike traits and qualities to go to a cross that should have never been for him to die and three days be rose again to offer the resurrection to everyone who confess and believes in Jesus. He had already planned it. It had already been predestined. The eastern wind, it was already planned. What you're going through, God knows you're there. And he's got an east wind. Amen? But until he does what he wants to do in you, because of where you're at, that east wind is going to subside. Amen? It's going to subside. And what you have to understand, God will save you. God will bring deliverance and God will bring salvation. Right? 
Sometimes not because you had faith, but just because of his mercy. Amen? But what I'm coming to find out is if he saves you with mercy and you didn't, he didn't get to do what he wanted in you and, and you walk in faith out of it, he's just going to bring you to another trial that's similar until you learn to walk by faith out of it. And then he's going to save you because he's responding to your faith. Amen? Look at this. God, God delivered these people with a miracle, right? And if you read the scriptures, after they get on the other side of the sea, on, on this side of the sea, they're tripping and they're like, God ain't for me. We're going to die. God's not going to help me. He's not going to provide it. He's not going to deliver it. He's not going to get my wife to love me again, right? They're over here. They're tripping. They're, oh, God can't do this. God can't do that. Okay, then God splits a sea. They walk across the sea. Now they're on this side and they're saying, Whoa, yeah, God delivered us. God saved us. God can do it. God can heal. Can I tell you something? They sang their song on the wrong side of the sea. Amen? They sang their song on the wrong side of the sea. How many of us have fallen into that category? When we're in it, we're tripping. God can't do nothing. I don't know how I'm here. What's going on? God don't love me. I'm not supposed to be here. This is the devil. Got the number. But then after God brings deliverance and healing, takes it away, then, whoo, man, God looked out for me, man. God's got my back. That's why I was telling you, I don't believe somebody raised from the dead is the biggest testimony we can have on this earth. It's a man or a woman of God who no matter what they go through still speaks the word of the Lord, still trusts in the Lord. I, I know I'm here, but God's going to do it. God's going to bring it. God's going to bless it. God's going to get me through it. Someone who gets diagnosed with cancer and still says, this is, this is God. God's in control. I'm not tripping. I love God. God loves me. And if he wants to take me home, he can take me home. It's a man or woman of God that lives by faith, that speaks the word of God, that lives the word of God, that walks the word of God. That's why the man, the rich man in Lazarus, he said, please, let me go back and tell them. Remember what God said? God said, listen, even if you raise from the dead, they ain't going to listen to you. They ain't going to listen to you when they raise from the dead. They ain't going to listen to you. God can deliver you from drugs, and in the next trial you come to, because you ain't got no faith, you can't believe him for nothing. That's the same way. God brings a man back from, from death, back from hell, and tries to come preach. Man, I was in hell. Man, I ain't trying to hear all that. Right? The biggest testimony we can have is when we really live our faith, when we walk out our faith, when we speak our faith, when we live it. This is who we are. Amen? When your walk matches your talk. Amen? They sang on the wrong side of the sea. And, and speaking of this, I got a problem with people that can only obey God if God gives them a sign. Here's your sign. Amen? No, seriously, listen. Many Christians travel thousands of miles each year to witness miracles, to, to experience supernatural works, to get a sign, to receive wonders. And ironically, sign after sign and miracle after miracle, these sign-seeking addicts never develop a living faith. Instead of walking by faith and trusting in the Word, they always need a bigger sign. They always need a bigger miracle. Well, I know God brought me to Victory Life. 
and I've been here two months. God, give me a sign if you want me to finish the program, though. I need you to give me a sign, Lord. I need you to make a miracle. That leader I don't like, I need you to remove him, God. Let there be a sign that I'm supposed to finish this. Yeah, you don't need a sign. You know God brought you here. Stop tripping, dude. Amen? I got some more, but I ain't going to go there. Amen? You know how I know? Think about it. No one in God's word saw more miracles than God's people in the wilderness. They saw all the plagues in Egypt. They saw a man as hard-hearted as Pharaoh, stubborn, let them go. They saw God use Moses to throw a stick down and, and, to, and turn it into a snake and deliver him for 400 years of slavery. They saw God split a Red Sea. They saw God, when they got thirsty, shoot water out of a rock. Could you imagine seeing that? Oh, we're going to die. We're thirsty. Some of them probably worshiping the rock. Water out of rock. God sprouted, he sprouted out food up out of the ground. Every morning they go out and then boom, they'd have enough food for every family. These are signs. These are miracles. These people are seeing signs. They're seeing miracles. They're seeing wonders. God rained down KFC chicken uh, $10 buckets for every family out there in the wilderness. God did that with the quail. It might have been quail then. God showed these people sign after sign, miracle after miracle. And guess what? Only two out of the millions ever made it into the promised land. Why? Because the people never developed a living faith. They needed another sign. They needed another miracle. Well, here's your sign. God already told you to do it, so just do it. Amen? Yeah, you can clap if you want to. That's your sign right there. Amen? There's your miracle. There's your wonder. Amen? I used to, we'd have prophets come in from everywhere, and these prophets would bring prophecies, and they'd prophesy on, on these people, and, and he'd speak and say, you, God's calling you. You've been through this. You've been through that. I was like, whoa. And when I first come into home for years, I would just see these prophecies, and these prophets would speak, and these miracles, and these wonders, and I'm sitting over here, and I'm like, God, how come no one ever prophesies over me? And I would get real defeated and insecure. Maybe God's not calling me. Maybe I don't get a sign. How come I'm not getting a prophecy? How come I'm not getting a sign? How come I'm not getting some cool prophecy I can save to my iPhone and play over and over and over to remind me, you know, to keep going? Right? How come it's not happening to me? And then God took me to the Word. And He said, there's your prophecy. It's right there. Why I got to send somebody to come reassure you that I called you? You already know I called you. Why I got to reassure you of what I want you to do? I already told you what I want you to do. You already know. And he took me the word and he said, this is, your, this is your prophecy right here, son. This is your sign. Amen? A living faith. Forty years of miracles. And not only miracles, the Bible says they never lacked anything. They're in the wilderness in an unknown foreign land. And the Bible says they never were in lack. When there was true thirst, there was always water. When there's true hunger, there was always food. Right? Cloud by day, fire by night. Amen? Shelter from the Most High in the shadow of the Almighty. Amen? Forty years, miracles, signs, wonders. It's like the home. Right? People come in the home and we see time and time again 
A drug addict find deliverance. An alcoholic find deliverance. A gang member find deliverance. A prostitute find deliverance. Someone struggling with, with, with this and that. Find deliverance, find deliverance, find deliverance. But then when God takes us to our own trial, to our own little problem, our own little heartache, now we don't, we don't oh, who's God? What's going on? Right? In this church, we have no excuse, man. Amen. We have no excuse. Because we're a people who all had previously come to our wit's end. And we know there was no hope, there was no help, there was no salvation, but God. Somebody say, but God. But God brought deliverance, but God brought salvation, but God brought healing, but God brought it. He brought the victory. Time and time again we see signs, we see miracles, we see wonders. So why do we come in this place doubting? Oh, yeah. Amen. He'll continue to bring you to wit's end time and time again. You know, three days after they crossed the Red Sea, they came to a place called Mara. And this name, you know, translated, it means bitter water. The waters were bitter. And guess what happened? God worked a miracle. God brought water out of a rock. Right? God worked a miracle. Every time they got through something, God brought a miracle. And they didn't always approach the situation by faith. Sometimes they came with doubt and unbelief saying, God wants to kill us. And God in his abundant mercy and loving kindness still always worked a miracle for the people. Amen. Exodus 17, 1 through 4. So not only at wit's end, you've got to come out with a living faith. Right? You want to know something else that I begin to realize when you come to your wit's end? You really see what you trust in. You really get to examine your life and, and see where you put your trust. You really, you know, all this cool and coming to church and the home and the ministry, oh, this is all cool. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, when it gets down in the trial and the heat and the problem, Right? You get to find out where you really put your trust. It says, Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin. There's a problem right there, sin. According to the command of the Lord, encamped at Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Now notice this. This is right here. Check this out. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses. Right? Why would they quarrel with Moses? Moses didn't bring them out here. Moses didn't call these people. Moses didn't deliver these people. This wasn't Moses' idea to come out here. You know what God's trying to show these people by getting them to this place, this wit's end? He's trying to show them that they don't trust in God. They trust in man. They put their faith, their hope, and belief in a man, not God. The people began to quarrel with Moses, and he said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why are you quarreling with me? Why are you murmuring against me? Why are you complaining against me? I didn't bring you out here. God brought them to this point, and God will bring us to this point. And you have to ask yourself, Who do you trust? Is your soul security and trust in God? Or is it in the pastor? Is it in the prophet? 
Huh? Is it in God? Do you trust and believe? And because I've, I've had to come step back and, and examine myself as pastor be dealing with these things. I've had to truly step back and say, God, if, if, if God did take Pastor Raymond, would I still be okay? Would I still be able to do what I do? Would I still be able to, to, to be here at Victory Life and, and pastor and preach and do these things? Just like mom was saying last Sunday, you step back and you begin to examine some stuff. Am I really trusting in the Lord fully or am I trusting in a man? Because in Jeremiah chapter 17, the Bible tells me what happens when I trust in a man. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. And I've had to, I've had to step back and, and, and say this. It's like this for anyone. Right? Pastor Raymond is my pastor. He's my spiritual advisor. He's my spiritual father. I lean on him for instruction. He discipled me. He worked with me. I'm at where I'm at today because what God did through that man. Right? That's my headship. That's my authority. But I have to step back and say, hey, but that's not my God. That's my pastor. Amen? You see, anyone in this life, your wife, your husband, your pastor, your children, if God takes them home, you still have to be okay. You got to get real with yourself and say, you know what? God, you're my God. Not these people. And I've had to step back and, and, and really examine myself. I'm telling you. Amen. And in, in Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes his flesh his strength. And check this out. And whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes. Woo. But will live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. You see, every person emerges out of this wit's end experience, either trusting in man or trusting in God. And so in other words, guess what, saints? According to Jeremiah, you're going to come out cursed or you're going to come out blessed. Amen? You see, the first person Jeremiah talks about is the man who doesn't wait on God to move. He takes matters in his own hands, making his own plans, turning to people when he thinks people can give the answer. Always taking shortcuts, always scheming, always manipulating, always trying to go around God and go around God's counsel, go around God's direction. His philosophy sometimes is it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And he's always looking for that special who to solve their problems. Y'all with me? I might just speak to myself now. But the scripture tells us that this man who trusts in man, who trusts in his own flesh, there's a spiritual dryness about this man. There's spiritual dryness in his heart. He barely even looks alive. He barely even looks alive. This is what Jeremiah tells us. He's got no fruit. He's got no wellspring of life. He's always on the brink of giving up. And guess what? It shows us that this man is also isolated. This man isolates himself. He's isolated. Not only is he just isolated as far as like, okay, he sits over there away from everybody. Right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about he's isolated in his mind. He's done separated himself from everybody else, and now he's at a war within himself and his mind. 
He's isolated himself. Right? I'm going to tell you this, saints, and this is to me too. We better not be putting our trust and reliance on anything else but God. Amen? We better be trusting in the Lord. And that's what, you know, and growing up, you know, I had, I had parents. You know, I was raised with parents, and I would trust in my parents. And I would lie on my parents. And I remember the first time I went to jail, and I got on that phone, and I said, Mama, come get me out. And she said, Son, I ain't getting you out. Huh? My whole life just went out the window. Whoop! Because what I relied on to get me out of trouble no longer got me out of trouble. It was gone. And guess what? I got saved in jail. Uh, that's where I got saved. That's where I truly met Jesus. Maybe God needs to take some of your security out of your life so you can get real with God. huh? So you can really, really rely and depend on God. Hello. That's what God had to do with me. I got real with God because I couldn't find security nowhere else. I couldn't find help nowhere else. God brought me to my wit's end and through it he produced something great. He saved me. He filled me with the Holy Ghost and he called me to preach the gospel to men and women. All because I came to my wit's end. And I discovered what I was putting my trust in wasn't God. Amen? But Jeremiah talks about a second man. Hallelujah. And he talks about a man who trusts in the Lord. The person says, Jesus, I give up looking to any other person to bring me out of my trial, and I look to you, God. Amen? Real quick, worship team, come up. Listen, wit's end, it's a place of suffering. Okay? It's a place of suffering. You know, the Bible tells us that we have to suffer as Christ suffered. We have to suffer as Christ suffered to bring glory here on earth. Right? And which end can look different for all of us. It can be a disease. It can be a, a rebellious child. It can be a, 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 a you know, hurting spouse. It can be you know, several things. Bankruptcy, getting treated unfairly, getting fired for no reason. It can be all these things. Which end can look different. But it's a place of suffering. Right? The truth is, we're not going to grow in faith and character in times of ease. We're just not. You're not going to progress. You're not going to grow. You're not going to develop in character when everything's just easy, when everything's going your way. You're not going to grow like that. You're just not. You're going to get comfortable, and honestly, you might end up backsliding. You might end up going backwards because everything's too comfortable. Amen? That's why you need God to shake some stuff up in your life. Right? When you're used to getting told yes, you need to hear a no. Amen? When you're used to doing this on Monday, maybe you need to go do something else on Monday. Maybe God needs to shake some stuff up in your life to get you out of your complacency, get you out of your comfort. Need to bring you to wit's end. Amen? Our faith grows the most in times of suffering. You see, wit's end, it's a place of surrender. Wit's end's a place of surrender. Listen, you don't end up in wit's end for no reason. You don't end up there for no reason. There's a divine purpose you're there. There's a divine purpose you're in that trial. There's a divine purpose you're in that storm. You know, perhaps God's trying to humble us, break us, break us of our pride, trying to handle everything in life without Him. Maybe God's trying to strip our pride from us. Or, or maybe God's trying to break us from our independence and self-sufficiency by going day by day, week by week, life by life, by not, not needing God. 
not needing God. We can make it without God. We don't have to rely on God's strength. We don't have to rely on God's wisdom. We don't have to trust in God. We can do it without God. Self-sufficiency. Maybe God's trying to strip you of that. Maybe he's trying to drive you back to the Bible that you've been neglecting. Maybe God's trying to drive you back to your word. Maybe he's trying to drive you back to your word that you've been neglecting. Amen? Maybe God's trying to get you to hit your knees and not post so much on Facebook. I was thinking about it. And if your Facebook friends know more of what you're going through than your pastor, you got some things twisted, dude. You got some things twisted. To me, to me, this is just me, okay? Y'all can shoot the messenger. You can hang me. To me, this shows me that you're more about the attention you get for what you post than really finding a solution to your struggle. I just speak truth. Amen. I love you though. I'm here for you. You can't DM me. You got to text me. Amen. Maybe God's trying to show us that we put too much trust in people. We trust a man too much. And we need to trust God. Amen. You see, there were seasons when I went through the home where I needed pastor more in my life to work with me, to be able to watch him, to learn how to live this thing, right, to, to, to help me along. But then there were seasons where I needed to be away from pastor, my pastor, right, so I could grow. It's like when people come in the home and, and they're married and they want to come in together. Oh, we want to come in together. Well, you need to go somewhere else and then you can come here. Because you need to learn to trust in the Lord alone. To grow in the Lord alone. Not putting your trust in a spouse. Putting your trust in a man. Or some of us, some of us, we put our trust in our career. We put our trust in our job. That's what my pastor always says. He says, hey, I'm going to be grateful when the tribulation comes. All this stuff, you can't trust the, the food stamps, you can't trust the government, you can't trust your 401k, you can't trust your social security, you can't trust your disability check, you can't trust none of this stuff. All of it's gone. And all you got is God. See who's really here, see who's really living it, see who's really doing it. And we're, us church, church, us, we're going to have the answer. Because we've learned to trust in the Lord, Hallelujah. Your job don't save you. Listen, the only reason you got that job is because of God. God's in control. He's in control of everything. Right? If you lose the job, guess what? You still got God. Hallelujah. Amen. Perhaps God's trying to shake us of our hypocritical Christianity. It's all talk and no walk. We talk a big talk, but we live like the devil. Or maybe he's just trying to get us to let go of some secret sin that we've been clinging to. Instead of running to God, because we're hurting, we run to a secret sin.
Amen. I mean, I think, I think honestly, I think I've been here before. I think some of us, we get to a point where we're in sin, we're in secret sin. And then we get to this point where we're struggling and it's hard and it's tough. And then we want to live in denial and put on this front that we don't know why we're struggling. And we don't know why we're going through what we go through. We don't know why we're, we're experiencing trial and pain and tribulation. But the reality is we know why. Because we're not living right. Right? And we begin to like even lie to ourselves. Oh, it's not the secret sin. No, no, no. It's these people, man. It's these people, dude. They're treating me unfairly, man. And God, God, God will not allow you to go forward until you shake that sin. And you think it's the people, it's the church, it's the ministry. And the reality is, He just wants you to let go. Yeah. And guess what? I've checked the score. God still hadn't lost one fight. Amen? That's funny, huh? Wit's end is where we got to be real with ourselves. We're in a season right now where we got to get real. We got to get real with ourselves. We got to get real with our walk. We got to get real with each other. That's the season we're in right now. You got to get real with yourself. Amen? Wit's end is a place of salvation. God brought the sailors out of their distresses. God calmed the storm. God restored their gladness. Then, not only did he calm the storm, bring them out, the Bible says God placed them where they always desired to be. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want, I want to finally, did God feel okay with placing me where my desires are? Are you hearing me? The desires in your heart. Some of those desires are sinful. You can get them out of there. But some of those desires God placed there. And these good, godly desires, we want to be there so bad. And God's like, well, not yet, not yet, not yet. But once he's done what he needs to do in the storm, in the trial, then he, he takes gladness in placing you where your heart's desires are. In placing you there. In putting you there. He loves it. He takes gladness in it. You're his child. Amen. And in the last verse in the Psalms 107 and verse 43, the Word of God says this. It says, who is wise? Who is wise? Let him give heed to these things. After all these stories these groups of people, he said, now that you've heard of who's wise? Let him give heed to these things. And consider the loving kindness of the Lord. Amen. God loves you. He wants to do something in you, though. Amen? And as the lights dim and as you stand to your feet, I guess my concluding thought this morning is what do you really put your trust in? What do you really put your trust in? Do you really trust God fully with everything that you are? Is, is, is your trust in your gifts? Is your trust in your talents? Is your trust in your career? Is it in your spouse? 
is it in your Instagram following? What's your trust in? Amen. Everyone in this room, we're always going to come to a place called Wits End. And if you're there right now, if you're there right now in your life, at a place where the last three blows you took were, were three too many, and now you're still taking hits, and you've still got pain, and you're still experiencing trials, and your heart was hurting before, and now it's really hurting, you're at wit's end. God is speaking to you this morning. And God is trying to tell you, daughter, son, don't give up. Don't give up. I have you right there. I'm there with you. Though it may hurt for a moment. Though there may be pain briefly. I'm doing something in you. I'm doing something in you, child. So don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Because the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. God is faithful. And even though it hurts, even though it don't seem fair, it don't seem right, God is still in control. God is still in control. Do you believe that? As this worship team leads us into God's presence, if you would just close your eyes begin to examine your own heart, examine your own life and just spend the next five to ten minutes just meditating on the goodness of God.